to explore new ideas, to seek out new thoughts and new opinions, to boldly opine where no millennials have opined before. This is the Next Next Generation Podcast. Make it so. Welcome back to the Next Next Generation Podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 5, The Last Outpost. I'm Catherine. And I'm Charles. And today, we are very excited. Very. This is a return to form, I think. Yeah, I think so. Well, in as much as there is a form yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's only the fourth episode? Fifth episode. Fifth episode, fourth on Netflix, you know. Right. Whatever. Fourth storyline. The fourth storyline. Yeah. We're still getting used to these new characters. Getting used to how they're interacting, the interpersonal dynamics of the crew, Mm -hmm. and seeing how they deal with each new situation as it arises. So this is another episode where they encounter aliens and visit a new planet. Yes. But it's really a kind of a retread in the last episode to me in some ways. I think so. So they've encountered, when we can talk about this more, but... They finally encounter the mysterious Ferengi. The Ferengi. And I just wanted to say at this point, Mm -hmm. um, in contrast to the last episode, this is another civilization. Yes. That is advanced enough for, you know, interstellar travel and has all that technology, but are portrayed to be a little backwards. Right. A little less evolved than the protagonists. Right. They are considered to not be as civilized, Mm -hmm. for sure. Riker and, I believe, the portal near the end of the episode agree on that point. Right. The portal's ready to destroy them. But my point is, this is the right way to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Because they are very much alien and different. Yeah. They don't look like humans. No. It doesn't borrow from human culture. No. So it's kind of like they redid some of their base concepts for the last episode in a better way i think so they always run into trouble when they make them humanoids and if they put them to be too much of one ethnicity or borrow too heavily from one you know real world culture becomes not a star trek episode but more of a social commentary specifically about ethnicity and i think they want to avoid that yeah that's best Mm -hmm. again this is their first close contact with the ferengi that was exciting so we already knew what the ferengi would be like yes we did oh yeah and i should add they did actually set up you know this mysterious ferengi they did in the very first episode they did because the guy at far point was gonna threaten a negotiation with them instead that's right yeah so that was good world building yeah i like that they foreshadowed it with the the blackmail threat, the empty threat it turned out to be in yes. Encounter at Farpoint. Yes. And then they pulled through and showed us what are these Ferengi and what are they like? And we got a glimpse into their world and their culture in this episode. So anyway, it was very funny to watch them build up this mysterious alien race knowing yes. what they would be like. <laughs> but they did, in fact, introduce the Ferengi as thieves. They did. They stole this energy converter mm-hmm. from a Starfleet outpost. Yeah. And took off with it. Yes. And they say, we only know rumors about the Ferengi. None of them agree except that they're traitors. Yankee traitors. Yankee traitors. I found that so odd. I know it was made in the U.S. in the 80s. Right. But they were talking about red, white, and blue and Uncle Sam. And it felt very strange. Yeah, that was was a little awkward. A little bit clunky in the dialogue, I would say. 
It would have been funny if Data had thrown that out as something from his memory store and everyone else had been like, what? <laughs> that would have been funny. They kind of did that, but they, not enough. They should have made it more yeah. Data referring to some real deep past history thing, which mm-hmm. I suppose is only uh, 600 years. Right, but they're living in a completely different civilization. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's not just their own history. It's like someone else's history. That's really. true. That's true. Because um, Picard does give the, you know, that's how flags worked. Worf is like, I don't understand these humans. Right. But they still kind of act like, you know, you should know this stuff. Yeah. Speaking of flags, doesn't the Federation have a flag? Uh, not that they've established at this point. No, but uh, outside think, canon yes. lore, they have a flag. I think so. The Federation of Planets I th- flag. I think they were explaining, like, different countries had flags. Like, they don't get the idea of a country, but that doesn't really make sense. Cause Not if they're, they... they're the same kind of thing, just on a bigger scale. Right, and that doesn't make sense if they've studied their history, which clearly they have. There's many references to history in this episode. They would know what country is and mm-hmm. that idea. Oh, sure. It seems like a way of distancing having Picard had that line, but at the same time, it doesn't logically follow through. Right, they mentioned it and then pushed it away. Yeah. But even mentioning it in the first place felt out of place. I agree. Um, also, then I was thinking, Starfleet is so Americentric. And then I thought, Starfleet is so Eurocentric. This organization is supposed to encompass the entire planet Earth. There's billions of people like in Asia. Right. Where are they? Yeah, the original series, of course, had Sulu. <laughs> yeah, but that's not enough people. No. If it's truly a representation... You know how in science fiction, just like this... Right. Once planets kind of get, you know, interstellar travel... Yes. It's like each planet is one big country or something? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so if that's true, if it's one political organization... Right. Everyone should be pretty evenly represented in Starfleet. I agree. Like, demographically. Yes. And that is not the case. <laughs> not in this series. It doesn't appear yeah. to be the case. It should be mostly not white people. Maybe like one or two. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. If that was a, a modern version of this story, mm-hmm. then maybe we'll get a more diverse cast. Yeah, but that and would that be is, more realistic. That is more realistic. Yeah, I agree. what they're claiming. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched Discovery yet, so we'll see if they follow through on that or if they run into the same issues when we eventually get to that, but that's going to be a while. It would be more likely to have a crew with no Europeans. I think so. Then not. There's an overabundance of Europeans, and that's probably more of a cliche from the pool of actors they're drawing from, and it's made for an American audience, and there's a number of reasons why that it is the way it is. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about from a world-building perspective and a writing perspective, definitely would expect there to be less Europeans, I agree. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that just made me think of it. They really do a great job building the Ferengi up. Mm -hmm. Of course, they assume the Ferengi have taken over their vessel. Not a ridiculous conclusion at all. No, not at all. Um, they keep Jump right to it. saying, you know, oh my gosh, they're so much more advanced than we thought. Really <laughs> building them up. Like, oh, what yeah. technology is this? Like, we had no idea these people were out here. But at the same time, we're still like, wait, no, they're thieves. Why would they be stealing stuff? Right. They're so advanced. And they have this Yankee trader thing. I wrote down, let the buyer beware. Yeah. Their philosophy. That Latin so phrase. So that doesn't quite jive, but of course, they're understandably freaked out. Under so duress. They're, not, they're not thinking quite straight about it. They have that tractor beam that's holding them in place. They are assuming it's from the Ferengi vessel. Mm-hmm. They try that 
amazing maneuver where they try to go from zero to warp nine in, mm-hmm. what was it, 0.3 milliseconds. milliseconds. Before it happened, I looked over at you and said, this is not going to work. Mm, and then <laughs> it didn't work. No. I was like, yes, I was right. But, but no, no. No. And the episode would have been over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. They're stuck again. What's going to happen next? I loved the tension during the scene where Picard is, again, as a diplomat, mm-hmm. trying to reach out first commandingly, I demand your surrender. But then later, when he offers his own surrender, the lack of or is about to or is about to Mm. the lack of response up to that point very ominous good tension the music Uh was great Uh i really liked the effect of that and i thought that that entire sequence was well written and well acted and extremely effective so we saw picard acting fast reading reading the situation Mm -hmm. but we also saw him and troy as a team we did because you mentioned you know, he's like, we demand your surrender, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, wait, wait, wait. Like, we've been chasing them. We don't know what they're thinking. Right. We don't know how we seem to them. Perhaps you should soften it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that is what gets them on the screen. And she's also the one who says, what about the planet? <laughs> we haven't been paying any attention to the planet. Yeah. They make her a lot more perceptive. His wharf and yar are ready to blow up the joint, you know? They're being very foolish. That's why they're not in charge. <laughs> Maybe that isn't why they're in charge. Well, Klingons are known for their violence. Yeah. And then, of course, we've already talked at length about Tasha. Yar, yeah, we don't want to talk about her. But they're on the same side. They are <laughs> yeah. They are on the same side in this instance, and they seem ready to take action. Mm-hmm. Not that they really can. They don't have the power. No, they said they could only get off a few of those. Yeah, so it'd be pointless. Missiles before it running out of power. Mm-hmm. He gets the Ferengi on, mm-hmm. realizes that the Ferengi think that the Enterprise is holding them hostage. Great. Immediately figures it out and is like, oh, yeah, uh, we'll think about your surrender terms. You know, please hold. <laughs> He's very fast. Doesn't miss I was a beat. so impressed with how fast he interpreted that. Great. And reading. we get to see the Ferengi. The Ferengi. It's Damon Tarr. Damon Tarr, the captain. Damon is their word for captain. It is. We just learned that a few minutes ago. We did. He keeps making jokes about how ugly humans are. Yes. Humans. Humans. Are very funny. Super funny. It's very funny. Yeah. The Ferengi aren't this all-powerful. They're just barely making it, and they're ugly and kind of dumb. <laughs> very roguish, sort of, you know, backwood. Like gnomes. Gnome rogues. Gnome rogues. They're not very smart ones. <laughs> they're scrappers. They're trying yeah, to they're make sh- it yeah, they're just as like junkers. Hangers on in a more advanced civilization. Kind of scoundrels. A comparison could be made to like Han Solo mm-hmm. in Star Wars and that sort of level. But stupider. Of skullduggery. Yeah. Yeah. And not as handsome, of course. Oh, of course. So um, then they finally think about the planet because... At least Troy is thinking straight. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is out. Nothing to offer. They're very focused on the ship. You have some people wanting to blow them up. Right. They can't. You have Jordy saying nothing in a really weird little moment. Mm-hmm. I found that very odd. Weird editing, I think. Maybe. So then they start looking at the planet. Mm-hmm. They realize it's the outpost of this ancient civilization that was destroyed. I thought that was very cool to have a huge empire that came before. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting wrinkle in the... 600,000 years before. ...addition to the canon of the thing. Yeah. World building out that 
humans are not special in that way. Yeah, uh-huh. They're just part of a cycle Other, of things. Others have come before yeah. and done the same and, and still died. And still fallen yeah. over time to natural forces. Of yeah, right. You can't conquer nature. Supernova happening. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, um, I liked that they did have some info on it, but they didn't really know anything about it. That seemed like a realistic level of information. I agree with that. So they realize the planet is taking their energy. Yes. It's draining them. It is. Kind of ionizing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that Picard yes. is like, let's get the Ferengi involved in this and work together. We'll start some great diplomatic relations right now. Yeah. I mean, it didn't really work out. No. But I like that that was his first impulse instead of just being like, yeah, we definitely don't need them, which they totally didn't. Again, you know, that was good. He's trying to forge new connections and maybe create some sort of... And get more understanding. Yeah. Of the Ferengi. Learning. They know nothing about them. Learning from his mistake, maybe being too quick to be commanding of the situation. Mm-hmm. He takes a much more pulling back, reconsidering, and diplomatic approach. Yeah, it is fun to watch his conversation with Tar. It is. Where he's learning in real time what the Ferengi are like and what's offensive to them and backpedaling and changing his approach. Yeah, that was That, that was, was well-written mm-hmm. conversation. Ferengi, well, Tar, agrees to meet them on the planet. Yes. But, you know, Troy is like, there's something wrong. The transmission seemed distorted, which yeah. they never really explained what they meant by that. I thought it was going to be like the image behind him wasn't real and his whole ship was on fire or something. Oh, <laughs> and oh. he wasn't in a good place. Give me a minute, but yes. Okay, so regarding that, he had it extremely zoomed in mm-hmm. on his face to make right. it look bigger. That's what I mean, yeah. And then he also had the background with a blanket of white, right? which I think she was saying he wasn't showing them their actual ship. Oh, what kind of technology they might have. Right. It was almost like he was on a green screen of some sort. Right. And I thought the same, but Mm -hmm. I thought maybe he was not in a good situation. Like, even worse. I think so. The point was he was hiding something. He was hiding something. He was trying to reveal the least amount of information possible Mm -hmm. and be as insulting as possible during that whole communication. Which, you know, it's not unreasonable. Not an unreasonable response, I think. They're not there to be friendly. No. No. So they get to the planet. Yeah. They send a huge away team. Oh my goodness, yes. And also mentioning on the way out that they can't get back. They did mention that. Okay, the planet. The planet. I think it was a set. No. (laughs) (laughs) You think it was a set. I mean, maybe not, but it seemed a little unrealistic. A little set-like. It seemed a little bit like something they should not be approaching without a spacesuit as well. Oh, yeah. Incredibly dangerous. All those toxins seemingly floating around. Who knows what was there? Yeah. It was crazy that they were there with just their uniforms on. Yeah, breathing the air. What sort of radiation could they be exposed to? Just the electricity alone, they should have had some protection. Yeah. It looked very nightmarish. Very painting. Yeah, there was all the, well, (laughs) (laughs) I wonder why. I know, right? (laughs) There was all the wind and storminess and just dust blowing up. They're all going to die of cancer in five years, probably. Oh, definitely. Um, I think so. That's why the mission ends at five years. That's (laughs) just when the cancer catches up. The cancer catches up with all the radiation exposure, all these planets. At some point, it's beyond the tricorder. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I can't fix you anymore. That's funny. All your cells are gone. I think that's a trope from the original series, though, that they always just beamed down to the planets without any sort of gear, and that's oh, just totally. part of Star Trek culture. Or... Yeah. Normally, I don't even think about it. Yeah. But this planet just seems so inhospitable. Those giant 
crystals crystal structures that was really neat the way that the lightning was being captured and harnessed like a greenhouse Mm -hmm. like an energy producer yeah that was cool the way they showed up separately but then Riker was the first Mm -hmm. that we saw and then data was just standing there contemplating that also seemed nightmarish just his calmness very surreal I think that's just showing his lack of emotional response to the environment around him. Mm-hmm. He takes everything in, analyzes it, processes it, mm-hmm. takes a very analytical approach to mm-hmm. everything he does. Right. And so him being so calm was because he's always calm. You're not wrong. Okay. <laughs> I understand what Data's like. Yeah. I'm just saying in this case, it felt out of place. Why? Because he wasn't snapping to action knowing that they were separated and had a mission to do. Mm. And it just contributed to the nightmarish feel. He wasn't acting on the information that he had at hand. Right. The, the data. Yeah, the data. Then they find Jordy upside down. I mean, oh, it my. just feels really off. It yeah. is very off. Mixed so up good and job, scrambled. Star Trek team. I like the planet. <laughs> yeah, good directing. Good idea. Good writing. I like the chaos of it and yeah. the way that what they expected didn't occur. They were underprepared. The way they got separated just further highlighted that element of it. They didn't know how the mm-hmm. Frenier were going to act, and mm-hmm. yet they were caught totally unawares when they did show up. Part of it was the planet was so noisy. Very. You couldn't hear them coming. No, you couldn't. I really liked the Ferengi weapons, the whips that Those were cool. shot out electricity beams. Yeah, they shot out electricity beams. They were really cool. I liked that everything the Ferengi had was, mm, it had a little bit more natural look instead yes. of the sleek look, mm-hmm. but everything they had did the same things. So yeah. it was like they got to the same place, but in a completely different way. Data and Picard have a conversation about yeah. that, where there are similar level of technological advancement. Right. But then they had reached it using different methods, and perhaps some were better in some areas than others. So Yar kind of saves the day, temporarily. Yes, she does. Well, she charges in and breaks it up. Mm-hmm. And then they all get a chance to fight. Then they're kind of losing, though, to the Ferengi. Yeah. The Ferengi are really strong. Data. And it warns yeah. Riker. Riker gets taken Yeah, down. well, they're so small and strong mm-hmm. that they're fighting in a completely different way. They are. Okay, so then they realize the crystals are harnessing the energy. They do. And then just when they're wondering about that on cue... The portal guy shows up. He does, with a lot of fanfare. How dare you interrupt <laughs> my slumber kind of kind of thing. Very Wizard of Oz, I thought. Yeah. Reminded me of that. A trope kind of thing. You the, know, yeah. the ancient guardian. Appears. Who's outlived his purpose because mm-hmm. the civilization's gone. Right. He doesn't believe that at first. No, he doesn't. He has a whole discussion about what year or what age they're in with Data. Not quite buying it. Not at all. And then he challenges Riker. He does. Because the Ferengi accuse him of all kinds of things. A lot of things. They immediately go on the defensive or perhaps even offensive with their lies. Yeah. And their willingness to throw pretty much everyone under the bus. Mm-hmm. And that becomes more and more apparent. They're looking for any edge, any way to scrap ahead. Mm-hmm. Which was consistent with their other qualities mm-hmm. presented earlier. They're not very self-aware, though. No. They don't realize that they're so over the top That's. No one's really going to believe them. Don't seem to understand subtlety. No, not at all. The fact that people (laughs) can read you better than you often think. Yeah. People can. Maybe they can't. Perhaps. Or maybe they assume everyone's lying all the time, so you never know what's true. Or they're the only ones that lie, and everyone else will assume it's true because they don't know how to lie. Who knows? Intriguing. I don't think they're even self-aware enough to think that way. It's unclear what level of self-reflection they do. They present them, though, as pretty dumb. Yeah, yeah, childlike. Like, to the point that begs the question how they developed their technology. Maybe they stole it from other... Oh, yeah, that would not surprise me. Stole it from other civilizations. <laughs> their advancements were made through coupling this thing with that thing, scrapping it together. Mm-hmm. 
I could see that being yeah. much more a feature of them. They seem to be sort of cobbled together. Although their ship was quite well designed, which even Captain Picard remarked upon. Mm-hmm. And well, they are at least advanced enough to use it. They so are. There's that. But again, they could have just stole it. We have right. no idea. They can use tools. Even if they can't invent the technology originally yeah. it's like us with our smartphones we couldn't invent that ourselves but we use it all the time other humans invented it you don't have to be the human that can invent it but they're smart no it, it doesn't seem like there would be yeah they could be a particularly dumb bunch although from what we know of future encounters we know they're all like this and everyone else rolls their eyes oh the Ferengi. oh you know all the other civilizations yeah so Riker handles it he says fear is the enemy the only enemy right the portal is very impressed sun Tzu? Sun Tzu. Yep. Yeah. That's a callback to earlier in the episode. The portal goes from calling all of them human and Ferengi. Calls them barbarians. <laughs> barbarians to being like, oh, hey, you guys have some potential. These Ferengi, though, probably not so much. Yep. Decides that the humans are more worthy than the Ferengi. Yep. In their enlightenment. Yes. And in their quest for it's higher a, thinking. It's a little self-serving. A little <laughs> as bit. an episode. Yeah. And, you know, the Starfleet people are always saying, like, oh, yes, this is where we were 400 years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. They said it in this episode, last episode. And it's a little bit like, okay, for one thing, they're referring to now when they say that stuff. They are. So you're trying to project these more advanced humans, but as written by people now. Right. It doesn't come across that they're so, so much better. No, I don't think so. They don't seem to be... Any different. That different from how we act now. Mm-hmm. The only difference, I think, would be in the way that there is a representation of a lot of different people mm-hmm. working together. Now in the 21st century, we're seeing a lot more of a push for that to be happening even today. Yeah. And it was already happening back in the 80s, yeah, to be sure. fair. Well, that's why the show came about. Sure. At this point... Mm-hmm. We don't have any real evidence that the Enterprise crew is yep. not just a particularly intelligent and sophisticated group of people. No. We don't really know that all humanity is better. No, I don't think we know that. We can tell that these particular explorers mm-hmm. have qualities that make them... Good explorers. Yeah. Yeah, and good at encountering new things with an open mind. Yes. But, you know, we also know they're kind of elite. They're not your normal person. They're archetypes within themselves. Right. Okay, so intercut with this final scene on the planet right. is the Enterprise. They've lost power. They have. They're dying. Mm-hmm. I thought it was strange. They show a few blankets. They do. But they're not all huddled together under blankets trying to preserve heat. Right. Which kind of suggests that they think the away mission is for nothing. They're acting like there's no way for them to be saved. So might as well just die as fast as possible. Rather than, you know, if the away mission is successful, it might be worth trying to hang on for just a few more minutes mm. with, you know, the shared body heat. I mean, it wouldn't buy a lot of time, but if the away mission matters, that would be worth it. It's a little fatalistic of them to assume that Extremely. all hope is lost. So mm-hmm. quickly, too. Sharp change in tone. Yeah. A little bit too rapid. And they have no backup on their ship. Even a short intermediary scene mm-hmm. where they have them saying, heat's gone out. Something to kind of set that up a little bit better. Rapid cut from, okay, we're doing okay, to nope. lost power, we're to done. we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. And that was a little fast. And they had nothing. Like I can think off the top of my head of several things they could have as emergency procedures. You mm-hmm. know? They could have like some central, like inside the ship, 
big room yeah. that they could seal off mm-hmm. and have extra heat like generation. Yeah, if you all join together in a small confined space, you're going to raise the temperature Yeah, but of the they room. could have extra like fuel that wasn't related to the engine. They had things they could do even if the ship doesn't have anything. Yeah. Which is already ridiculous. They just gave up. Dr. Crusher was even going to give Wesley a sedative and stopped herself. She was going to kill him, which maybe he would have been a public service. But <laughs> seriously, like they were almost dead. Yeah. And if he had already had his functions lowered mm-hmm. from the sedative, he probably would have died. Probably did lose some people who were not quite as strong. Possibly. Yeah, because they were like unconscious. Ricard has a whole line about facing death as a... Yeah, he sounded like he wanted to die. With your eyes open, that's what he said. Yeah. It was very odd. Yeah. It didn't feel right at all. So Riker's down there making humans look so great, and up there they're just giving up on life. It ended with that awkward joke about the finger traps. Yeah, that was the kind of ongoing thing. Data gets stuck. Yeah, that was kind of funny, but kind of stupid. I don't think they would have had those. They randomly just had the Chinese finger traps? And like a box of them. Because he said, let's send over our entire supply. I wasn't sure why they were being featured in this episode, where they got them. Seemed a little out of left field. Yeah, it was. It wasn't cute. It was weird. So what are your overall thoughts about this episode? I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish I didn't know about the Ferengi. Because the lead-up was great. The lead-up was great. They did a great job creating some dramatic tension. You're like, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? And then they're nothing. <laughs> some fantastic parts where Picard is being an excellent diplomat mm-hmm. in the moment, analyzing mm-hmm. what's going on and correctly reading mm-hmm. the Ferengi, what they're saying. And Troy stepping it up as the voice of reason. Yeah, she's nice. providing her intuition and using her empathic abilities. It's supposed to be her job, I think. I think so. Yeah. That's why she's on the bridge and not just in her office yeah. counseling. They stepped it up as well using actual aliens. Weren't racist about it by using human tropes. Right. The Ferengi even had this way they always were crouching and moving. Like they never held still. Yeah. Even the way they acted physically wasn't human. It was very alien. Yeah, And that was, was refreshing. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for the data of the day? I am ready. My data of the day is something to write home about. <laughs> yes. Which... He says nothing to write home about on the planet and mm-hmm. then changes it to be adorable again yep. on the ship. And both times, apparently Yankee and Uncle Sam are okay, but if you say a phrase, that's perfectly legitimate. Right. And would still apply, really. Yeah. Yeah, they could write home about stuff. They can. You can get a really weird look and have people think that you're strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like this episode a lot. Did I like it as much as Encounter at Farpoint? I think I did, actually. Mm. So I'm going to give it the same rating I gave that episode. I'm going to give it 7 out of 10 Chinese finger traps. I also really liked the episode. Mm -hmm. I think I liked it slightly better than Encounter at Farpoint, if only because I don't like (laughs) two-parters. As a rule, I like the format of TV where you start a story, do a story, and finish a story in the episode time. Okay. So I'm going to bump it up half a point. And give it 7 out of 10 giant crystals that were definitely not a set. To be agreed. Yes. This is a good standard issue episode that we enjoyed. Very much so. Yes. This has been Season 1, Episode 5, The Last Outpost. And we'll be back soon. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Next Next Generation Podcast. Of course. You know. Like cooking oil can be burned for heat. Oh, wait, they don't have...
No, we're going to leave it in. <laughs> I got that. No, <laughs> cocaine oil. That's not exactly what I meant. But sure, should be the tag. I do the editing. <laughs> I'm going to cut it. <laughs> like cooking oil. And I'll just be like, ha, ha, ha. At the very end. That'd be funny. Oh, fine. Okay. Cooking oil. Follow us on Twitter. Add us at the next next gen.